Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for some who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for some who would escape it, happier for some who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for some who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for some who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for some to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to start my sermon this morning with a quote from Barbara Brown Taylor. She says this, As a general rule, I would say that human beings never behave more badly toward one another than when they believe they are protecting God. In the words of Arun Gandhi, grandson of Mohandas, quote, people of the book risk putting the book above people. Our readings for today talk about how communities are meant to act, especially as separate communities meet together, and not just meet sometimes, but how they often collide, and who emerges the victor. I'm listening to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, Mars Hill, of course, was an evangelical megachurch with multiple locations and thousands of members across the United States of America. And with it, they had a controversial pastor named Mark Driscoll. It eventually disbanded in scandal as the abusive tactics of their pastor and the structure that enabled and supported him broke a system thought to be too big to fail. In the podcast episode titled, The Bobby Knight Problem, the story is laid out of how in the early 2000s, when Mars Hill was growing, other pastors surrounding that church were dealing with the fallout of Mark Driscoll's preaching and teaching, especially revolving around his thoughts on men's dominance and superiority over women, and they asked to meet with Mark. Now certainly, there were theological differences between these pastors and Mark Driscoll, differences in church governance, differences in preaching style. But ultimately, it was a conversation about how individuals and communities interact and engage with each other. Pastor Mark Driscoll took the point that he could say and do whatever he wanted to do in his church, and he wasn't accountable or responsible to how other communities or people were impacted by what he said and did. The other pastors tried to explain how damaging and traumatizing and divisive his rhetoric was. It's a modern take on Christian ethics. What do we do when the need of one community and the need of another community 
are not in alignment. And this is where our readings take us for today. From Numbers to James to our Gospel reading from Mark, we are asked to think critically and spiritually about who we are as a community and what do we do when we bump up against other communities. In our Gospel for today, the disciples find themselves in this interesting identity crisis as the closest companions of Jesus. Remember last week, we've heard that they've just been caught bickering about who among them was the greatest. And Jesus reminds them that to be the greatest, they must become the least of all. And their immediate response to Jesus, chastising them, was not deep internal reflection, was not prayer. It was to point a finger at someone else. Jesus, they say, there are these people who are casting out demons in your name. Make them stop. Or, to put it another way, they felt they had a claim on Jesus. And they were upset because there were others who were doing good works, good works that they thought were reserved for them. Whoever is not, whoever is not against us is for us, says Jesus. Whoever is not against us is for us, says Jesus. And it makes me wonder if in the first century the phrase, whoever is not for us is against us, was in common rotation. We often center our rightness, our certainty, our privilege, our theology, our understanding. And to be honest, that's what we do as communities. It's how we're formed. But we can take that further, and we cannot just center, but center and enlarge our way of life, our beliefs, our understandings, so that when it encounters that which is different, it pushes it to the edge. Our American understanding of individual freedom, of liberty, it doesn't really fit within the cultural context that our scripture readings are centered in. It just wasn't how they operated. In Jesus' day, individual need factored so far below the community, which is part of why Jesus was seen as such a rebel. The mere act of asking people to leave their families, to leave the family occupation, and to wander outside the communities with, within which they were raised, it was really bizarre and threatening behavior. But at times, we take fierce individualism into our communities, and we justify our way of belief, not as a way of knowing who we are, but as a way of identifying who isn't us. 
This is in part what leads to the fracturing of Christ's body throughout the church and sometimes even within our church. We are too practiced in holding firmly our beliefs and not practiced enough in knowing what to do when our firmly held beliefs are met by beliefs that seem incompatible. Whoever is not against us is for us, says Jesus. But we have at times altered that saying to mean, whoever does not believe what I believe is against me. In a place like the Episcopal Church, where we pride ourselves on being a gathered body of Christ's beloved children who believe a wide variety of things. I would hope that we would be better than most at dealing with difference. But even as a young child growing up in the church, I remember being really shocked at how people talked to one another, the tones they used, the words they chose, the sudden disappearance of people that I loved a lot. All of that to express their difference of opinion or differences of theology or the way that the church should be organized. Even now as an adult in the church, and yes, I am an adult in the church, I'm less surprised but still shocked at the behavior of people who label themselves Episcopalian. In fact, social media has provided front row seats to some of the worst behavior that I've seen from people who, I think at least, should know better. I've seen people in their 80s name-calling, name-calling each other, members of their own church on Facebook. Now, I don't say this to shame anyone, and notice I didn't name names, and no, it's not anyone here. But I simply offer this to point out that with all of the enlightenment gained since the first century, we still hold a lot in common with those early disciples. And Jesus' response to his closest disciples, and yes, in our gospel for today, he's talking to his closest disciples, not to the larger public. It's not sugar-coated. Do not place stumbling blocks in front of others. Remove from yourself and remove from your communities that which would cause other people to stumble in their relationship with Christ. Jesus, and he uses these collection of pithy sayings, he ends with this. Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Or to say in another way, know yourself and know your beliefs and be at peace with others. Too often we do the first and forget the latter. So where is the good news? Because right now, you might think that I'm about to take us out to the courtyard for collective maiming. No, we're not doing that. 
Where is the good news? Our collect for today says, O oh God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Y'all, we are not perfect. We are not finished, not complete. Our collect says that we are running, like we are actively doing this thing. We are actively still moving toward obtaining God's promises. And we will stumble. We will fall. We will get running cramps, and there will be times when we step off the track altogether. And God shows God's power within our imperfection by showing mercy and pity. As we continue to move forward together as a community, a community bound together by so much in common and yet containing so much difference, may we heed the words of Barbara Brown Taylor and work diligently towards staying committed to one another and to all of God's beloved children in the midst of our differences. May we never place our certainty above our neighbor, and may we never get in between God and God's beloved creation. Amen.